to me, what what happens is resonance it, it changes our relationship to time, um, and this is this is a pretty profound concept. But it's like, but in these places, you play a note, and that note comes back, right? And it's it's suspended in the air. It feels like it feels like time expands and dilates, and all of a sudden, you're just in this. Instead of just a single moment, you're like the culmination of many moments are happening at once. But imagine if we if we tried to teach our children to speak by teaching them the alphabet first, like they had to learn to read and write before they started speaking. It doesn't make sense, right? That's not how we learn. We learn through experience. We learn through listening. We learn through mimicking. We learn through our own expression. That change is not going to come from the top down. It's going to come from the bottom up, right? It has to start at the individual. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Future Hacker. I'm your host, Maria Taiji, and today we're talking with Kim Richelli. Kim is a versatile artist and visionary at the forefront of the emerging field of sound and embodied resonance. Son of the renowned Brazilian actress, writer and producer Bruna Lombardi and the Italian actor and director Carlos Riccelli, Kim draws inspiration from his family's rich heritage as he forges his own path in the arts. His journey has taken him through various realms of creativity from founding the Resonance Group, a venture that explores the transformative potential of sound, to directing the Brazilian drama television series The Secret Life of Couples with HBO Latin America. Kim's work reflects a deep commitment to exploring the intersection of technology, sound, and human experience, making him a compelling voice in contemporary art and media. Hey, Kim, how are you? It's such a pleasure to have you today with us. How are you doing? Hi, Maria. I'm great. Very happy to be here. Thank you. That's a very interesting topic uh, for me. It's uh, new. And I thought it was a good idea to, you know, have you on the beginning of the year that, you know, people get more, let's say, even spiritual, right? Usually at the beginning of the years. So I thought it was something that it's more soul oriented. And, you know, I have so many questions for you. So let's just dig into that. And, you know, as usual, uh, I like to begin with your journey. Like we know about your career in film, television. Uh, you also have this very strong background in visual media, right? And then you made this transition to focus on sound and resonance. So what's behind that move? What sparked this change? You know, if you want to go back to your journey to explain us that, it would be amazing. Sure. Um, yeah, well, so, you know, the, the, the part of visual media, media I sort of inherited, right? It came with the family. It's something I've been working on since I was my first jobs, right? Like as a teenager, I was already doing things on set and that kind of thing. Um, and sound is something that came into my life later. I mean, I think it came like most for most people through music first, right? And I, I had always loved music since I was a young child. I was always very moved by music uh, and I loved to listen. I would put on my, my parents had records and a record player, right? And I would put on records and listen to the record player. And I, I just really enjoyed that. Um, but I, I thought personally that I had no musical ability. Right. I thought that I for because of, you know, maybe I, I think like a some educational uh, pitfalls, some things that, you know, the way that music is presented, I think, to children sometimes can be very discouraging, depending on the, the, oh, interesting. the child, and the constitution of the child. And so I just my teachers had basically made me feel or I felt based on their interactions that I was like, okay, well, this isn't for me. You know, I, I don't have music in me i'm not someone who can express this way and and that i just internalized that as as a very young child and it wasn't until i was about 20 years old um that someone gave me a little drum for my birthday uh, sort of like a little almost like a decorative drum right and i started to play it and then i started to notice oh like this kind of comes naturally right there's something that's really innate 
in me that can do this, right? And of course, in the beginning, you know, you're playing and people are like, oh, stop, you know, <laughs> but but at that point, I had I had enough, uh, you know, confidence and I had enough interest in it uh, that I just kept going and I kept refining and I studied with different teachers and, you know, and with time, it became something it went from just being, you know, a thing to being a hobby and then finally something where I was really passionate about it. Right. And as I became passionate, like I, I started to pursue it more and I started to really want to understand it more. And I had the great fortune of, you know, I was living in California at the time and I had the great fortune of ha having some amazing teachers uh, from many different backgrounds. Uh, so I studied with, you know, everything from Middle Eastern and Persian to Indian to, um, you know, classical, like Western music. And I, I got a lot of different input and uh, not so much about the technical aspects of music, but more like the philosophical, right? Like how, how music uh, expresses the ideas and the sentiment of a culture, right? And how, how we as a culture use music to express and to, uh, and to also kind of create a, a cultural identity, right? It's so, it's like, I think music is such a big part of that. Um, and then, you know, as I kind of kept going in that direction, I I came across an instrument called the handpan, or at the time it was the hung. It was just, uh, which looks like a little flying saucer. It looks kind of like a little UFO. Uh, and it was an instrument that had been recently created in the world. It was created around 2000, 2001. Uh, and that was in 2003 when I, when I first saw it. And instantly I just like, I fell in love with it. I resonated deeply with it. The sound that it made and just, is this the... something that you use like this, this stick that, that you move around it or no, is so th those are um... Tibetan bowls. I, you know, I wish okay. I, I didn't think about it. I didn't bring one here, <sighs> but, um, I, I can, we can maybe I'll send you some photos or video and you can insert yes, later. We can add. Yeah. 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 So, um, but it looks like a little, like a lot of people say it looks like a spaceship or a shield or, you know, people say a turtle. I've heard all kinds of things. A walk is a, you know, is a popular one. Um, and so I, and that instrument just by its very design makes playing very accessible. It makes, um, you know, it's very intuitive the way that you can approach it. And with a short time, you can really be expressing musically uh, in a very profound way, right? And so that really interested me because that was something, it was one of the things that helped me get over this barrier, this idea that I had internalized of like, oh, I'm not musical, I have no musical ability, right? You know, I, I, wait, 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 just let's stop here for a second. And, 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 and because this resonated so strongly with me because it's amazing uh, how many people simply don't uh, uh, pursue the gifts that they have because of those few people around them uh, involved in their education life, like and, and just because of, of maybe just uh, old way of teaching or I, I don't know or traditions, whatever happens that you just kill so something within you. And you were lucky enough to have other possibilities of of just you know uh, uh, learning from yourself and understanding that yes you could pursue that. But and and it actually resonates with me specifically because also when I was uh, at a very young age I and I also loved I wanted to learn uh, I don't know piano or whatever and people just the teachers kept this idea that you have to learn how to read to play and connect reading with playing instead of just playing from your heart and just, just, you know, and I just found out later in life when I was, you know, late, uh, early twenties that I actually had uh, an issue with my vision and I would never be able to read it. You know, those little, you know, uh, partitures, I would never be able to read. And I just wanted, since I was very young, I just wanted to learn by listening and playing and I could play very well just by listening. But I still wanted a teacher and I, I could never find this teacher because they always wanted me. And this is something that happens to you that just kind of 
skills, this side of you that could have, you know, developed and just, you know, for the pleasure of it. But it also, I know that it develops the brain a lot, right? Absolutely. How many people yeah. just don't develop that because we're just getting it wrong when educating each, each person has a way of learning. So I'm glad you are able to pursue that. Uh, but this is it always get back to education is like here in the podcast. But it's amazing how, you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, that's amazing. What a, it's interesting that we have that parallel journey. And I, I so many people have that, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of the work that I do today is around the voice and the voice as as our primary really mode of expression. Right. It's the first thing that translates our thoughts. Right. Which is energy that's inside us into something that's actually tangible in the world sound right it's energy that's outside us so it's really to me that's the bridge the voice is the bridge and people have so much like baggage around their voice right because of things they told because of ways they've been repressed because of uh you know comparison to other people and all of these things and and You know, I, I'm, I mean, of course, I'm talking about it in the in the realm of sound because this is what I'm really passionate about. But this is true across so many realms, right? With education, all of the arts, really, that comes so naturally to human beings, right? It's such a natural part of our expression. Um, we when we try to fit it all into one way of like learning and one way of teaching. It doesn't necessarily work for everybody. For some people, it works very well. But for others, you know. And, and, you know, and even for the people who work for who it works really well, like, for example, um, I have some people who I work with who are classically trained musicians, right? Who at a very young age were playing like violin concertos or something like that, right? And so they have a lot of technical ability. They know how to read music. They understand harmony, but they don't feel free to improvise. They have a really hard time with improvisation, right? And so that that's another aspect of it. Like you can have all of this ability, but like it may not be connected to that part of you that just expresses. That just, just go with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, right. No, especially because it's a very tough education. It's a very tough way of educating, right? You know, you can't oh, yeah. miss. You have to follow the techniques. You have to read it that way. So it's, it's nothing that you're really playing from spirit, right? You're just right. really following the rules somehow. Yeah, I mean, and it and it can produce amazing results. I mean, you you know, there's no arguing that someone who has the classical musical education has a, a, a skill set that is really profound, right? That's really incredible, and it allows them to do beautiful things. Uh, it's just about connecting it all the way across to every part of our being, right? And and you said something, and I just wanna I I wanna I think it's important to clarify. You said, oh, I think that this kills it in people. And luckily, I don't think that's true. I don't think it ever actually kills it in anyone. I think it can put it to sleep. You know, I think it can kind of temporarily suppress something, but I don't think that that is something that can be killed. I think it's something that is... I fully agree. I fully agree. Yeah, it's, it's a part of who we are. And it's actually, we at any moment, at any opportunity, we have, we have the ability to reconnect to it and to learn to express from that place. And once we start doing that, we actually see that it's the most natural thing in the world. Yes, yes, perfectly put, perfectly put. So, and then uh, let's let's go back to your journey, right? So you, you, you mentioned that you went to California, right? And then you had access to all those amazing people and all this diversity and cultural differences. And then, and, and that's, that's like, that's what made you click uh, about, you know, founding a resonance group, something happened in between. A lot of things happen in between. So yeah, I, I mean, this is, we're talking, you know, it's a long journey. I'm, I'm 42 now, and this was uh, in probably in my twenties, right? So, um, but what, well, okay. One of the main things that happened is I started having, I, I, I always loved to travel. Right. I, it was always a big passion of mine. And so at some uh, junctures of my life, like after I'd, you know, made some money and been like, I started to, I was like, okay, I'm going to just do a, what we in Brazil, we call mochilão, right? Which is like, uh, let's yes. just travel with a backpack and let's just backpack. go. 
And, and the difference was, um, instead of just the regular backpack, I had the instrument on my back, right? And I, I had a little, another little bag with my clothes, but like this, I, I, this instrument is very portable. Uh, that's one of the beautiful things about it. The, the hand pan or the hung is very portable. And so I took this instrument and I started to go all kinds of places all over Europe. Um, I went to um, Morocco. I went to Japan. I went to China. I went to many, many different places around the world. And in those travels, um, I started to, like I would just, you know, just because I wanted to, I, I, I would sit like, let's say I'll go in a square and start to play, right? Or I would listen, you know, I'd be walking and I would hear like, oh, musicians, like local musicians playing in like a little, you know, a place. And I would go in and listen to them at first and then say, hey, you know, I have an instrument here and they're always very receptive. And the amazing part was even when I didn't speak the language, it was just an instant connection, right? It was a language that transcended uh, this, our, our intellect, right? And it just allowed us to connect on a very, very deep place, like heart to heart place, right? And, and so I made really incredible friendships that way. And it opened up so many doors, right? Because once you connect to a local person that way, you're immediately more than just a tourist, right? So they, so they, that, that part of them that just sees you as a tourist disappears and then they start to connect with you as a human being. And then they're like, oh, come to my house. Like, come have dinner. Oh, let's go for a boat ride. Oh, I want to take you to this amazing place, you know, like, and so it really like unlocked a lot of things for me in that way. Um, and in those, as part of those experiences, I started to, uh, either I was brought to, or I ended up somehow in resonant spaces, right? So places that have a long, a strong reverberation, like, uh, old churches or, um, you know, like a abandoned radar dome or in, in uh, a Turkish bath, like an underground Turkish bath or, you know, I mean, caves, all kinds of things like this. Right. And as I started to play in these places, something really profound started to unlock for me, started to happen because to me, what, what happens is resonance, it, it changes our relationship to time. Um, and this is, this is a pretty profound concept, but it's like, uh, you know, when we, when we play normally, we play and we listen and the sound, it happens and then it's gone, right? And then the next sound comes in and, right? But in these places, you play a note and that note comes back. Right. And it's it's suspended in the air. It feels like it feels like time expands and dilates. And all of a sudden you're just in this instead of just a single moment, you're like the culmination of many moments are happening at once. And and it really it was like a, a, an aha moment for me. Right. And I, I started to realize not just by playing, but if, and especially with my voice that, um, you know, so you're, you're inside a, of a cave, let's say, and you start to sing, right? You, you hear that energy, that energy that you project out is now coming back to you. So our bodies are naturally self-harmonizing systems, right? We're always harmonizing to our environment. If it's cold, our bodies get warmer. If it's warm, our bodies sweat and it's right. Like they're, they're constantly looking for that balance, that equilibrium. Well, that same mechanism can be engaged by interacting sonically, right, with this space. And so as I started to sing in these spaces and really also listen, right, that's the other key. It's not just express, but even first it comes like the listening. As I started to listen deeply and then express in these places, I started to feel how my body began to make little micro adjustments. So something would relax in my throat or my diaphragm, or, you know, my body automatically made these adjustments in order to create more harmony, right? Because our, we're always moving towards more harmony. We're moving away from disharmony and more towards more harmony. It's just a natural impulse, right? And so it, as I began to do this in a short time, it be, it became, to me, it's like one of the most profound sort of spiritual practices or, you know, a practice of really 
knowing yourself and, and getting in touch with your expression and getting in touch with your authenticity and getting in touch with this, you know, this very, um, like I said, very natural part of your, of your being that isn't necessarily given a lot of space in modern society, especially. That's true. And, 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 and that's so now that you're mentioning that, and I remember that you mentioned to me when, you know, we got to know each other, uh, how, uh, sounds can make this positive influence on our personal communal experience. So that, so that's where you're getting, right? Absolutely. Yes. I think that, you know, on a, on a personal level, um, I think that sound is, you know, it's, I'll, I'll put it a, a, a different way. So years after I, I was already, you know, doing this, I, I became exposed to the work, um, of a, an incredible, uh, I guess, philosopher and, um, uh, anthropologist called Harmit Rose, right? And he has a book about resonance and he speaks about resonance from the social point of view, right? And when I got exposed to this material, it was just like, a Ah, yes, because like I had been experiencing that on a personal level, but it can also apply on this very macro collective level, right? And and he brings about it exactly in how our relationship to time changes if we're in resonance or if we're in the state that he calls alienation, right? So alienation is exactly, it's the state of feeling cut off from everything, right? It's like, we're not feeling like, like we're resonating with something else. It's like, we just feel like we're on our own little bubble and modern society that is in this pace of like constant acceleration, right? Like we have to keep accelerating and we're not even moving forward necessarily as much as we're just, we're, we have to accelerate to not slide back, right? And so he, he uses the metaphor of like a downward escalator, right? Like you're climbing escalators and it's getting faster and faster and you have to just keep climbing faster and faster just so you don't just to stay still right and so um on the on the personal level how that I, I feel like sound is one of the most amazing tools that we have in order to explore this state in order to explore this you know it's more than a metaphor because it's it's not conceptual it's somatic right it's not just intellectual the intellectual understanding is a part of it and it you know is a is a it helps to create a space for that state to happen but ultimately it's it's actually about you having an experience right we really we we don't learn so much from just mental we learn when we have an experiential understanding of of that thing of whatever it is right and so uh, okay like, so yes no please no, finish no, no i was just going to connect it to what you said earlier you know of like it's like sitting at the piano and say, someone saying, oh, like, just read these notes and play versus like, allow something to flow through you, you know, and then with time, like, okay, yeah, now you can connect, you can understand that this is a language and you can learn the alphabet. But imagine if we if we tried to teach our children to speak by teaching them the alphabet first, like they had to learn to read and write before they started speaking. It doesn't make sense, right? That's not how we learn. We learn through experience, we learn through listening, we learn through mimicking, we learn through our own expression, right? Sorry, go, go ahead, what were you? No, that's, that was perfectly put. And uh, I wanna, so I, I want to, we're seeing this moment of, you know, definitions, right? And you're explaining to, to everybody that is listening to us the basics. And then I want to get to the pra practical side, but still, you know, uh, on the explanation part, I remember that you mentioned to me, uh, you said this phrase, if, I, if I'm not wrong, that the universe is governed by the law of resonance. So I really wanted to go you know, deeper into that before we get to the practical side of it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, wow, well, we could do a whole you know, podcast just on that, right? Because that's, it's very profound. And, and I think, you know, this is a concept that's existed in many different forms throughout humanity's history and in so many different cultures in so many different ways. But 
essentially the way that I understand it, right? The way that I've come to understand it and explain it is um, anytime that you have patterns that repeat at different scales, you have resonance, right? You have, you have, so for, so when you think about the universe, right, we have this super macro scale that is really kind of inconceivable to us right in our in our current state it's like when you think about the size of the universe and the size of these you know star clusters and galaxies and things it's 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 not something that we can really conceptualize right we can get a an idea of it but it's not something we can conceptualize but we see in those in those um you know in in that most macro scale we see patterns that are self-similar to patterns that we see in the most micro scales here on our, in our daily experience in a way that that we actually can relate to that makes our you know our relationship to it a lot more meaningful right and so whenever you have resonance you have a transfer of energy you have an, a transfer of information and information uh like I said, not just conceptual information, but experiential information is what offers us meaning. It's how we make meaning of the world, right? And so the universe is governed by these laws of as above, so below, right? That's a, that's a, a part of a hermetic philosophy, right? It, it, this idea of, it's an idea of resonance. It's idea that in, in, in the macro and the micro, there are patterns that you that are observable that you can relate to and it helps you relate to the macro by looking in the micro and vice versa right and then also when you go even deeper in the micro now as we study like the microscopic world we see the same thing right we see certain patterns and ratios mathematical and really harmonic ratios right ultimately this is really about harmonics and so uh so many people have done, you know, studied. I mean, Pythagoras is is one, you know, more recently, if you can call it that, but more recently in 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 Western uh, thought and Western philosophy, who really uh, studied deeply the the science uh, of harmonics and and the science of harmony. Uh, but this is something that is, like I said, it's it's kind of been with us since the very dawn of humanity, because it's intuitive knowledge, right? So. We keep on finding, for example, older and older flutes, right? I think the oldest flute that we found now made of bone is over 14,000 years old, right? It's dated to be over 14,000 years old. And when you sound that flute, when you play that flute, you see that the scale that the flute was tuned in is very similar to the, a modern scale today, right? So. A human being or even an ancestor of the human being as we consider a human today created an object and tuned it and it's the same as we would tune it today isn't that incredible and they had no knowledge of anything right like a formal knowledge they just were listening and they were playing what felt right right and so that's that's resonance like look at that that's that's a pattern that's repeating now not just across space but across time right like over millennia that pattern is still meaningful to 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 us right so to me that's magical right that's just magical like i i think that that's uh, i i i really like i'm deeply emotionally affected by that kind of um that kind of, of of knowledge and that kind of experience, it, it really makes me feel connected in a way, you know, connected beyond something just in my mind. It makes me feel a connection to all of our ancestry and all of our, you know, all of the, the collective human experience on earth. Yes, all of history. And then uh, and then you're talking about, you know, the uh, from, from uh, moving from this very, very personal experience that you have, and then your understanding on, on the collective experience. Uh, so is that what inspired you to, to create this uh, sound sanctuary? You have the sound sanctuary, you have the sound summit. Uh, are those the collective experiences that you envision? And, you know, tell us all about it. How does it work? Uh, what type of experience do people go through? 
Sure. So, well, okay. So, you know, in this journey uh, along uh, that I've been that I've been sharing, at one point uh, I met uh, a someone who became my my partner in in residence. Uh, his name is Alan Tower, and he is an amazing musician and just an amazing sound explorer, amazing human being. And he um, he's the first person who. I really connected to and when I shared these ideas it was like thing you know it was like it, it bounced back right there was resonance immediately right where because a lot of people where I shared this they hadn't necessarily had the kind of experiences and so maybe it landed intellectually but it didn't land you know in the heart right and he had had as a musician as a sound explorer he had had these kind of experiences and so we had kind of embarked on this path together and um, I brought, you know, I brought to him this idea of creating a, a place, a space called that I now is called the Sound Sanctuary. It's had many names throughout the years, but it's essentially um, a purpose-built uh, space, a chamber, a sonic chamber for generating, for creating the possibility for these kind of experiences, right? And using really the latest technology. So, because we already have caves, we already have churches, we already have, you know, places that have incredible like acoustics, but they were, none of them were actually built for sound. They were built with some other kind of purpose and they, because of their harmonic proportions, right? Because usually what is visually harmonic will tend to translate to a being sonically harmonic as well, because it's all about ratios, right? Um, but they weren't built for sound, right? And I was like, wow, well, we're kind of like a visually focused culture, but where are our special sonic structures, right? Where are our places that are built? Where are our so sonic temples, right? Where are these places that are built for sound and for sound experience? And, um, and, and so I started to look, right? I started to research as much as I could and look in the world and see, are there places like that? And I found certain things, but nothing like what I was really feeling was possible, right? And so um, together we've been embarked on this journey and in time, more people joined. Like, so we had an incredible architect join us, uh, Shay Trahan, and he, he was doing his master thesis on sound and sonic spaces. And, he had had some amazing experiences visiting different places. He has a great TED talk for, for those who want to see. Uh, I forget the name, but it's Shay Trahan. If you look, it's it's wonderful. Uh, so you know, the three of us moved in this direction for a while, and then more and more people started coming in as we shared and as we created, you know, our our, our presence online and things like that. And in time, this became what is today known as the Resonance Group, right? So the Resonance. Is, is this, uh, it was a, um, well, it was, it is the culmination of many, many years of, of work and, and so many people's interests and, and passions around sound and around, you know, the, the possibility that we have of leveraging sound even further, right? We already make amazing uses of sound with music and with, in technology and things, but there is, there are certain aspects of it that I, I feel, and I think we collectively feel are unexplored, right? And so uh, that's what we came together to do and that's what we're doing. And so the Sound Sanctuary is one of our projects. Uh, the Sound Summit is another project. And so the Sound Summit began as just, you know, these. Uh, the, so the Resonance Group is people all over the world. We have people in the United States, Canada, all over Europe, um, India, you know, Brazil, it's so there's it's it and we usually meet online like we, we you know, we have meetings where just we get on Zoom and we share and etc. But we we wanted to make that happen in person. And so we started to do the Sound Summit start began as something just as an internal thing, right? And in time it expanded. And and so uh this year for example, we're going to be meeting uh in Northern California in this very beautiful space. Um, and so when we come together, it's always with the intention of sharing, uh, you know, our latest developments and also, you know, visioning together and, and seeing what, you know, what, where we want to go with it and what wants to be created. Uh, and then also 
creating experiences for each other, right? So because each of us has our own unique approach to, to creating, to working with sound and to, and to creating, you know, we have instrument builders and instrument makers. We have inventors. Uh, we have actually an amazing uh, NYU professor named uh, Megan Poe, whose birthday is today. So <laughs> happy birthday, Happy Poe. birthday. <laughs> And, and she, uh, she's just an amazing human being. She designed uh, a, a designed and offers a course on love at, at NYU, and and so um, she, and she has that just that you know she she's just deeply passionate about sound as well. We have Ivy Ross, who is a, a Google Design executive, uh, who's part of the group. So there's you know there's really a lot of interesting people and. And it's, it serves really as an incubator, right? So we take a lot of the ideas and people apply them in whatever fields and whatever places that they're they're working on. So that's the Resonance Group. Uh, you can go to resonancegroup.us uh, and you can see a little bit more about, you know, some of the projects and some of the things we're doing. That's super interesting. And just a note to our listeners. So today we're recording this episode. Today is January the twenty fourth because it's just going to be live in February. I mean, in a couple of days, of weeks. But so just so people know the the correct date of the birthday of her friend. <laughs> That's January twenty fourth. Okay, so uh, really interesting, Kim. So uh, a couple of questions for you, and now uh, getting you know a little more uh, macro, and now just trying to to to. Uh, work a little with the, the topic of, you know, the future and what we're expecting, like, you know, as we usually do, usually do here in the podcast. Um, I think you mentioned something very interesting uh, and you already gave us this example of, of, of the flute and how can we learn and connect ancestral wisdom traditions to your work and how do you see them playing a role in shaping our future? And adding to that, uh, yesterday I was, you know, always when I'm on the traffic jam, I listen to so many podcasts and I have this thing. So most, I, I think 90% of my podcasts on, on, on my library, they are related to science, right? And there was this discussion specifically about how we should be learning to use traditional wisdom into science. So when I was reading our uh, questions again, I was I was just listening to that recently, because how science usually is focusing on the technologies and the future, but sometimes just letting go traditional wisdoms that could be more applied to that to even you know enrich. And now uh, that's the question again, but you know to your field. So how do you see that, and how do you see that as a tool and and in shaping the future? Yeah. Wow. Um, well, okay. I want to start by saying that I feel like it would really benefit us as a species and as particularly people, you know, like in the West and to expand our definition of science, right? Because we take kind of science as this idea of like, oh, whatever follows the scientific method that was established you know, such and such period and everything after that is science and everything before that isn't really science. And I get that. And I think, I mean, the scientific method is incredible, right? It's an amazing thing. But we, again, if we get too fixated, it's a tool, right? And if we get too fixated on the tool, we lose sight of the whole, right? And so the, 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 the map is not the territory, Right. No matter how good the map is, the map is not the territory. Is the territory is experiential. It's somatic. It's it's about interacting with the natural world. Right. And so, from that perspective, the indigenous cultures of this planet, all over the planet, have more experience and tradition observing and interacting with the natural world than anyone else. Right. So it's kind of insane to discount that, all of that experience, all of that work, all of that observation, all of that wisdom, uh, you know, that's been passed down through generation after generation after generation and refined, right? And so, for example, here in Brazil, right? Like uh, science is just beginning to 
uh, catalog and and you know find benefits like for medicinal benefits, for example, for a lot of the species in the Amazon, right? Like, but if you look at what's classified versus what's not classified, it's still. I mean, we got a long way to go, right? But if you go and you talk to some of the indigenous people of the Amazon, they know all of the plants and they know all of their uses. I mean, at least in their area, right? It's like, and, and, and by collectively talking to many different tribes, people in, you know, in, in different areas, you start to get this panorama of deep, deep knowledge, right? Deep wisdom and not just about like the, you know, and it's not, um, reductionistic right it doesn't just reduce the plant to like oh this is the active compound and this is the you know this is the effect it's like it looks at okay how does this plant fit into this whole system what are the cycles of this plant in relationship to the cycles of the system what's the you know and and what is this plant actually teaching us in the way that it exists in harmony with the biome right as as a part as an essential part of the biome so i to me we really need to start looking at the world in that way right like and some of us already are like when i say we i i don't want to be exclusionary because these people never stopped right these these cultures they 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 see the world as yes a yes breathing thing I, right i need to make a, a recommendation here uh to the listeners that are interested in this topic is uh and that was exactly what you're talking about kim is exactly the whole season of this is one of my favorite podcasts so for everybody that is listening i need to apologize because it's going to be in portuguese so it's a brazilian podcast and the name is a ciencia suja i don't know if you heard of them ken ciencia no. suja and they're, they're amazing yes, yes you should <laughs> they're they're backed by serra pilera And it means, you know, for people that don't speak Portuguese here, it means a dirty science and this whole discussion around science. Uh, but it's really, uh, the content is really rich. And their, their last season is exactly around that. So that's super, super interesting. And so you want to connect that to, 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 to your field, right? So do you see that being also used when it comes to, to the music and the resonance and sound? Uh, And, and also, oh, adding, and adding to that as well, uh, I'd love us to get into the role of, of all this technology evolution as well. And how do you see that unfolding, right? Everything that has been going on, that's surely having a lot of impact on, on music and sound as well. How do you see this evolution as well? Yeah. Okay. So... Um... Again, uh, for you know, when whenever we talk about like shaping our future, right? Uh, it's important that we realize that some of like some of the decisions that we make now, right? All of the decisions, really, but it's particularly some of some very key decisions are going to have very very different outcomes for the future of humanity as a species, right? And so. Our technology in general, um, not not when it began, right? But now after a certain point, it, it started to become when, so with technology, what is technology, right? Let's let's start with that. Like anything that is a tool that allows us to enhance our natural abilities in some way can be considered technology. And so I, I see, for example, you know, traditional practices of of um yoga and qigong and meditation are technologies right they're 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 tools that we learn to work with our systems and work with our bodies in order to generate a particular result a repeatable result right uh but then you know you you look at like basic technologies that humans have developed over time and they were always ways of enhancing what we could already do with our bodies right what we could already do physically And as we kind of have come into this digital age, um, and, and in particular because of this, you know, hyper-capitalistic society model that we're existing in, uh, where everything needs to be, again, it needs to be constantly expanding. There needs to be infinite growth, which is impossible on a finite planet, right? 
but and, and we we that technology began to be in a way weaponized right in a way it's our technology is now instead of enhancing our abilities so much of it is it's become almost parasitic right it's it's taking advantage of some innate systems like our dopamine system right our dopamine like our, our reward system and to to harness and to channel our most precious resource which is our attention right because where we put our attention is where our energy flows and so when our attention is constantly being pulled in so many different directions um by these you know these tools and they're wonderful tools don't get me wrong i am definitely not like a you know a luddite i'm definitely not against technological development i use i mean here we're using an incredible tool right now to have this conversation a bunch of them right but i feel like along the way some of the humanity has been lost in in favor of um an extractivist kind of mentality right and 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 this is you see this reflected all across our planet right where we're extracting resources without connecting to the earth in the same way if so and again this is where we go back to the indigenous cultures right we've always used resources we've always extracted but there was a deep reverence and a deep gratitude and a deep connection that was always present and so we in that reverence and that connection allowed us to be in a relationship that was healthy and sustainable right we didn't take more than we needed and we didn't take more than we put back in some way there was always an offer and an exchange right and and that's not just a like oh what a nice idea like that's survival that's long term sustainability and survival and resilience of a, a species it depends on that and any in any relationship whether you're talking about a relationship to the planet or whether you're talking about you know interpersonal relationships or whether you're talking about global you know geopolitical relationships if if those things aren't present we have discord and chaos and misunderstanding and distortion and war and etc and we find ourselves in the situation where we are now as a species right and and so to me the work with resonance and the work with sound is one tool is one very powerful tool to restore that awareness first of all within ourselves right so that we have a very innate experiential understanding of our connection to the whole of our connection to these deeper part of ourselves that like i said don't aren't given a lot of space in modern society right but then uh expanding that you know it's their incredible practices and these are some of the the practices i offer most often which are group dynamics right where people are expressing and listening or well, again listening and expressing cuz listening always comes first uh together right and and so from that space um a, a type of relationship is established that is it's beyond what our normal social relationships normally offer right it's it's so uh it's so deep it's so natural and it really it moves people to tears um every time every time i have never offered this in any group independent of their background or of the circumstance whether we're talking about like a corporate experience or we're talking about you know in a yoga studio or whatever everything in between every time people are moved to tears by the experience and not a not a you know a not insignificant number of people are moved to tears by the experience and so why right because it 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 touches uh, it dissolves this boundary this illusory boundary the you know that we have with the other and it allows us to have a very direct experience of our connection of the the fact that all life is interconnected it's one thing to understand it it's another thing to feel it and to experience it right and and sound is that bridge 
And so, um, and taking that, you know, and if we, if we expand that even further, if we have more and more people who are experiencing life that way, then they are making all of their choices from that space. And then so our, our social systems begin to reflect that, right? And our, our, you know, our government structures begin to reflect that. And our, you know, I, I, it has to come. Like, I really believe that change is not going to come from the top down. It's going to come from the bottom up, right? It has to start at the individual. It has to. Um, if we if we aren't all collectively creating a different experience of, of being, then no amount of regulation, no amount of, you know, it, it, we, we see where that heads, right? It just creates more conflict. It just creates like, well, I think this and I think that and polarization. And, you know, we're, we're in, in some ways, in some ways we're more connected than we've ever been. And in some ways we're more divided than we've ever been, right? As a species. As, yeah, as yes. And that's this, this economy. And that's uh, why we discuss so much the, the responsible and ethical use of, of, uh, technology and and all the implications around that because it it can it can make us closer it can connect everybody we, it can be inclusive it can be if you think about not only space but even people that disabilities and things like that and on the very same time it can be the complete opposite and generate anger and generate disconnection and generate more 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 closeness right uh, and 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 bubbles So when you look ahead, given everything that's going on today, do you feel yourself more pessimistic about the future? Are you an optimistic? Like what, you know, when, when looking everything that's going on today. And I know that you, you like your work, it's, it's, it's like your essence talking to you. It's, it's you know, what, what you want to do and what you want to create for sure is something really good and optimistic. But still, how do you feel? when looking outside for our future? Um, you know, to be completely honest with you, Maria, there's days and days, <laughs> you know, there, there, there are, there are days where I feel where I, you know, we, we, we were constantly exposed in, in the, in the media and, you know, to these horrors that are happening. Right. And, uh, it's, It's challenging. It's challenging to to receive that day after day and to not feel crushed by it, right? To not feel in some way or another, um, you know, just just distanced from our essence and distanced from any kind of, of uh, sense of optimism, right? And so, of course, I have those days. And at the same time, I've I've had enough experiences. Um, you know, not just with sound, but just life experiences in general in different communities and, and, and spoken with enough people to th that my understanding is actually that the overwhelming majority of people on this planet want harmony. The overwhelming majority of people on this planet want peace. The overwhelming majority of people on this planet actually are most passionate and, and and concerned about just having um their you know their families and their friends and their loved ones and their expanded circle and their society be beautiful and thriving and 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 happy and healthy and i i feel like that's the most natural thing for the most number of people that i've encountered and so that makes me optimistic because i, I feel like The problems that we're facing, as dire as they are, they are not problems that are where the root cause is our is our essence, right? It's like I feel, I, I think there's many schools of thought that say like, oh, humans are inherently cruel, and humans, you know, that like everything we're seeing is is a result of that. And it's like I don't believe that. I, I honestly don't believe that. I think that any kind of Uh, cruelty or or evil action, you know, if you want to put it that way, uh, they're trauma responses. They're 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 response to some. They're a distortion that has been generated 
as a trauma response, right? As something where someone has experienced some kind of suffering, maybe generationally, and that suffering, they haven't had the tools to integrate that. They haven't had the tools to move past that. And so that suffering is now informing their action and their choices and hurt people hurt people, right? Like people who are hurt, create more hurt and create more suffering, that, that kind of, of cycle. Um, but I, I, I know I'm very optimistic, uh, partially because of our amazing communication technologies and how it, how, how many people, a single person can reach nowadays, right? Um, I'm very optimistic that, and I see more and more people offering tools, offering guidance, offering help, sharing their journeys of healing, sharing their journeys of recovery, sharing their journeys of, of transformation, integration, right? Um, but I feel like it's, it's one of the most important things that we can do, uh, especially as people who are speaking out, speaking in the media, like what you're doing is to offer perspective, you know, because if people have the perspective of, okay, wow, something else is possible. That's the first step in getting them to move towards this integration because, you know, dealing with trauma is uncomfortable by its very nature. Trauma is uncomfortable, right? It, it gets locked up and it gets fragmented and it gets put away in us because it's hard to be with. It's hard to just feel those things, right? It's it, 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 it's something that, and so we kind of put it away and we repress it and it stays there in some way. So in order to have the motivation to, to, to sit with that discomfort, to move through, to digest that discomfort, we need some kind of, of motivating factor, some kind of greater perspective, right? And, and so to me, that's like conversations like these are my attempt at offering that perspective. They're my attempt at, uh, at putting some more perspective in the world so that people can, can see like, okay, wow, like, that's possible. Like what, what, you know, how can I integrate that perspective into my daily life? Right. How can I allow my gifts to become a part of that perspective so that they're gifts for the world? That's, you know, the perfect way of, of ending this episode, Kim, it was so amazing to have you with us today. Uh, if you have any, you know, final message, you already gave a very, very strong one, but you know, if you have any final message to the listeners, or if you have any exciting new project that it's, you know, uh, up for this year that you'd like to share, you know, the final words is, is yours. And, you know, thank you so much again. And thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you, Maria, for, for offering this opportunity and for just this, the work that you're doing. Um, And yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the, the, the message is really, it, it's the message. It's not my message, right? It's, it's a message that you will hear over and over and over again from so many different traditions all over the world. And it's what you're seeking is already inside you, what you're looking for, all of the, all of the harmony, all of the love, all of the happiness, everything that we're naturally drawn forth, you know, to move towards, it already exists inside of us. It actually is what we're comprised of, right? It's, it's, it's the very essence of our beings. And so it's actually the, the process is about, again, releasing and integrating anything that gets in the way of that natural state, that natural state. But When we realize it's natural, that it's ours, you know, it's like, I feel like a lot of the time when I speak to people, the disconnect starts at a place where I've, I've had it myself, where I shared at the beginning of this episode, um, oh, well, that's not for me. I'm not that. Oh, I'm not musical. I'm not this. Like, it's just a belief. And if, if that belief was put there, it can be removed, it can be changed, it can be updated, right? But like you 2.0, right? Your belief 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, keep going, 
keep going. Like don't don't stay fixed in anything. You know, we we the only constant is change and we have the ability no matter where we are in our lives at whatever point in our lives, we have the ability to change and to take in new information, right? Like science has shown this neuroplasticity is a thing. It's real. And so look for the experiences and for the tools that resonate with you that allow you to do that because it's possible and the tools are going to be different for me it's sound for someone else it could be something totally different but whatever it is for you there's i guarantee you there's already someone out there who's offering it who who's already gone through the journey and is offering it and and will be delighted to share with you as i am delighted to share everything that i've learned and everything that i've experienced uh, because it's it, that way we just keep on growing this this beautiful you know abundant giving circle and and I, I truly believe that we have the capacity to change humanity that way amazing thank you so much thanks Kim thanks everybody for watching future hacker life path future